Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us and you're listening, thank you for tuning in to Tiger Paw Radio. I'm super thrilled to have a, a friend and a special guest on today from Gap Intelligence, Valerie Aldheyman. How are you, Valerie? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on today. Oh, no, it, it's absolutely critical. And one of the things in the Office Equipment Channel that we're starting to be forced to do is re-envision kind of what we are and how we work with our customers and the kinds of things that we do. And uh, as a member of the Top 100 uh, you brought some really good perspective on what's happening in the consumer side of the world, uh, the studies of the data and stuff there, which we've typically ignored. And I think with the remote office, uh, and I certainly don't think that's going away, this information is going to be more important than ever. You were kind enough to share some information with the group. I thought it was just too important to kind of keep to ourselves that we should get it out there for uh, the world to learn from as well. So really appreciate taking the time to do it. Now, one of the things that I always like to do is have our guests introduce themselves. So, Valerie, if you could introduce yourself and maybe share one thing that people may not know about you. Ooh, one thing. There are a lot of things that people don't know about me, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, so, first off, I'll just say hello, everyone. Thank you again for having me on. Thank you all for listening in or tuning in wherever you are. My name is Valerie Alde Heyman. Most people just call me Val. That's totally cool. Um, I am a senior analyst at Gap Intelligence. This will be my 10th year at Gap Intelligence, and I cover all products sold through transactional channels, e-com, retail, DMRs, VARs, you name it. Uh, that's where my area of focus is. So I'm really excited to be hopping in today to really paint a picture of what's happening within that side of the market. Whew, one thing about me. Okay, I've been on other, other uh, interviews where I've mentioned being a martial artist. I have a black belt. So let me switch it up a little bit. Um, I love music. Absolutely love music, listening to it, playing it. I play about five instruments. Um, the one thing people might not know is I'm a drummer. So if anyone wants to jam band wow. at some point, let's let's do it. Well, that's great. And uh, one interesting fact about actually the the president at Tiger Paw is that he's also a musician. He's a big guitar fan. And I know that uh, the person that you spoke with in the top 100, uh, Wes McCarter over at BEI, is also a musician. So maybe that's something really cool about our industry is the uh, musicality of of all the people we get to work with. Very cool. Hey, and on to what you do know, like you said, when we're talking about the print world, right? That in the past, uh, the office equipment channel and sort of the consumer side of print have been very separate. And of course, as I've mentioned uh, earlier with the remote office, uh, that has certainly been changing. And you know, typically what's happened is people that are working remotely will be given you know, free liberty to buy whatever device that they that they want to buy. And, and I can't see how that's not important for us. We're trying to manage print, which is the world that I live in, um, that we can still manage print even if we don't sell them the equipment, right? And mm -hmm. someone actually uh, did a really good quote in an interview yesterday, and they said, um, if we're not managing the printers, shouldn't we still be managing the print? So <laughs> I just see this blending coming together. Now, what is, is not typical in these interviews, I know that you've actually got a slide deck, and the good news is the, uh, for folks that are uh, going to be watching this, uh, I'm going to make sure that they can see some of the slides that you'll be speaking to today. And for our listeners, um, I will try and have some kind of link for some of the slides so that you can see some of the visuals as well. 
but I know Valerie's uh, really good at describing things. So you're in for a good session today. And so Valerie, uh, with that, I'll let you take things away. Maybe you can start to give us a futurescape look uh, at the world of uh, consumer print. So before I go ahead and dive in, let me just give people an understanding of who Gap Intelligence is. I know that we focus a lot on the consumer side. Um, We also do have some coverage for MFP copiers and really deeply track what's happening in the dealer channel. Um, But again, I'm here covering the transactional channel, and that's most of what Gap covers. And so first and foremost, Gap Intelligence is a values-led company. It's our mission to do great, to do great for each other, our clients, and our community. So when we're not doing interviews like this, analyzing data, consulting, or presenting, you can find us helping out our local community through things like beach cleanups. We create care packages for our local homeless community. We're out right in the heart of downtown San Diego. Um, So we're always out there helping. Um, And then one thing I wanted to note, too, is that we always have an annual golf tournament. It's called um, Drives for Rides. And it's in support for an organization called the Emilio Nares Foundation, which ensures that no child misses their cancer treatment due to a lack of transportation. Um, So a little plug there. If anyone's interested in golfing and helping out such an incredible organization, at the end of May, we will be hosting that golf tournament. And we'd love to see you there. Um, Feel free to reach out. And make sure you send me the uh, the link, and I will definitely include that in the uh, the blog. Absolutely, and I know it won't be all snowy and cold out where you are at that time, but you know, if you want some sunny San Diego and some golf, we'd love to have you. <laughs> oh, trust me, in May, Canadians are still very much interested in traveling further south. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. Um, all right, so that's a little bit about Gap, a little bit about myself. So I'll go ahead and jump in, and I know you'll be sharing some slides. So. And really what this is, is just kind of a framework of how we've responded to what's gone on with the pandemic. As we all know, the pandemic has hurt or helped some industries, just depending on where you sit. And so for those listening in, the way we're viewing this is within a four quadrant framework for response that looks at whether a space has been helped or been hurt by COVID and if it has experienced secular growth or secular decline. So in that first quadrant, We see things that have been helped by COVID and seen secular growth. An example of that would be technology like PCs. Um, And then there are sectors that have seen secular growth, but have been hurt by COVID, um, helped by COVID, but also seen secular decline. Um, And this is where I want to focus really is the area that has been hit hard by COVID and also faced secular decline. And the reason why I want to focus on that is because that's exactly where print lies, unfortunately. Um, It's no secret that we've all been seeing page volumes decline due to office closures. We're still very much affected by the pandemic. And so not only have we seen that in the enterprise space, in the B2B space, but we've seen how this has affected how consumer areas have uh, played out. Because historically, if you look at consumer print over the past several years, it's just been consistent decline and contraction within that area of the market. It's not just print that's been hit by declines um, in inventory. So one thing at Gap I want to note is that, um, like I said, we are able to track pricing and promotions data across print, consumer electronics, home appliances. And part of our tracking service includes the ability to see if a product is in stock or out of stock. And so as you can imagine, with everyone flocking to buy a printer to work or learn from home, we have seen such significant declines in the amount of printers that are actually available for purchase. So for those of you listening in, what that decline looks like in October 
31 or October 31st, 2021 versus the first week of January 2020. So right before the pandemic really hit, we have seen about 65, 66% declines in the amount of printers that are listed and available in stock for purchase. And so that's wild, right? I mean, anyone who's just looking to buy a printer, there aren't really very many available to them. And I know that this has been an issue within higher volume segments of the market, as far as not only just trying to get devices, parts, components for those, but also around supplies. Um, So from a hardware perspective and consumer, that is something we are very much seeing um, within consumer and Soho segments as well. Yeah, I think you uh, shared a picture and I know I've seen them from other folks as well going into some of these typical big box places where you would, you know, buy some of these consumer grade printers mm-hmm. and only seeing posters and notes at the bottom saying, sorry, you know, hopefully we'll have inventory soon, right? Like it's just mind boggling. Yeah, absolutely. So all of the analysts and several collectors across the nation, we actually go into stores to capture those prices, capture those promotions, and even just get a feel for what the retail landscape looks like from a shopper's perspective. And totally that. In the past, we would see so much inventory. We'd see boxes down below the demo units, boxes up in the top stock where they're just holding extra units that may not fit on the floor. And now there's nothing. Everything is empty and in their place. And I'll just allude to to slide nine here in a bit. Is just this little A4 printout that says limited inventory. And it has a little picture of a printer and it says, please pardon our appearance as we work to replenish our printer assortment. We hope to make more options available soon. So if anyone was hoping to get one right out of the store, um, good luck to you. There are very few options available. Yeah. And I find that, you know, very fascinating that, because that printer that they have in the back room must be worth a lot of money. <laughs> no kidding. It's the only yeah. one they have. <laughs> I I haven't checked too far into this, but I'm curious what printers look like on um, eBay, right? If anyone's trying to sell those. Um, yeah, it's just been so interesting watching printers just be so out of stock. This is just so different from what I've covered over the past 10 years. Um, usually it's around ways to reinvent and figure out how do we move up market into those higher volume segments. And so now a lot of the discussion is around how do we get units on shelf or into customers' hands because not only is it, you know, the components and parts challenges, it's also the shipping logistics that haven't gone away yet. Yeah. And just add a little color to that from uh, kind of the office equipment channel side, one of the major manufacturers uh, who shall remain nameless um, has actually had to start shipping cartridges without chips and then figure out how to retrofit those into some of their devices that require chips to be able to allow people to print. So (laughs) supply chain on all levels, right. is just, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is really, really wild. Right. And I really hope that this presents somewhat of an opportunity or at least some insight into how the overall market is behaving, because I know that as dealers face these challenges and these struggles and these really tough conversations with their customers around, we just don't have much to offer right now. This is the same conversation we see across segments. And so it's not unique to the dealer channel. Again, this is what we see in consumer and Soho segments as well. So everyone's everyone's trying to figure out ways to print. We're constantly seeing products launch within consumer and Soho segments. For some manufacturers, it's almost a yearly cadence. Almost to the day, I could say on this day last year, they launched a product. Yeah. On this day this year, they will do the same. And like clockwork, it happens. 
And that's something we haven't seen, right? Going back to logistics issues, going back to parts and component shortages and increases, there's really been some challenges around getting new devices and getting them into the hands of consumers. So just to paint a picture of what this looks like, in 2019, before the pandemic, we had a total of 138 products launch. And this would be slide 14 for anyone following along visually. 138 products launched um, within personal consumer and Soho segments in 2019. In 2020, we saw only 83 products launch. And then in 2021, only 80. So year over year, um, you know, there wasn't too much of decline, right? Going from 83 to 80. But if you really dive in and look how 2021 and 2020 played out compared to 2019, what is that? I'm looking at a 42% decline in how many new printers were available for consumers to purchase, right? And the one thing we know when printers launch is that we tend to see their predecessors see some discounting so that they can move units and get them off shelf and get them out of distribution. We're not really seeing that. All of the discounts and all of the instant savings incentives that customers have come to know and love and really expect for consumer print have virtually gone away. We haven't seen any real discounting, maybe some trade-in offers here and there, maybe a re mail-in rebate. Those are for certain segments, but it's so rare to see manufacturers incentivizing customers to buy because there's really not much for them to buy. And so it's the typical, you know, for anyone who's taken economics 101, we know when supply is low and demand is high, what happens to prices? They go up, you know, and that's not just within the markets, but we're also looking at inflation. So not to go down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> I think we're all seeing the trend here. Well, I think it's an important one though, right? Because, you know, mm -hmm. part of what we do, and we're offering uh, managed print services to customers, that one thing that people, uh, rightly or wrongly, have always talked about is cost savings. And sometimes that comes at the, you know, the expense of either device or the, or the toner and reductions in that pricing. And we haven't seen that in the office equipment space either with some of those more enterprise level things, right? So it does seem that across the board uh, that pricing uh, has done nothing but increase, right? So yeah, it's really I'm fascinating because I'd say it's the first time in my career um, that I've seen uh, those prices kind of level off or there hasn't been some kind of big drop on that older equipment as they introduce new things, right? I've never seen it. So it's true. I mean, prices are up. So net prices, so the price that a customer would pay at checkout, whether online or in store, has gone up. And so um, so touching on price for a little bit, I think it's a really important component as to what's playing out here in the industry. One way to really frame this up is that as customers have faced out-of-stock statuses, seen fewer discounts, haven't really seen any new devices, they've actually become a lot less price sensitive around what they're willing to pay for to get a printer. And so, like I mentioned, customers were always looking for a good deal. And even if it wasn't Black Friday, which is when we typically see deep discounts or sometimes into back to school, we could see printers up to 50% off just on any given week, right? <laughs> and again, now there's hardly anything. So customers were looking for a good deal, but now there aren't really any products available. And so we've seen a shift in what's influencing this customer buying journey. What is it that they actually want to buy a printer? So again, before it was, I want a competitive price or something that I'll get a good deal on. And now they're just saying, 
I'm not really worried about cost. I just want what's available so long as it does a couple of things. It meets the requirements that I have for a printer and it's not going to break down on me in the years to come, you know? So they want something reliable and they want something that's going to just get the job done. So again, influencing factors away from price towards just making sure they get what they need. And so when we look at pricing um, and dive into that, in consumer Soho segments, what we've seen is that net prices have increased on average 50% or excuse me, 15%. So going from about an average of $206 to $237. And, you know, that's just what customers have seen on shelf um, over the past several years from 2018 to 2021. If you dive even more to see how 2021 has played out, and even the start of this year, we're already seeing price increases. So this past week, we captured a second round of price increases from consumer and business printers from HP. Um, we have all of the data for that for anyone who's interested in SKU level insights to see how much a product has increased in terms of ERP and MSRP between the first round of price increases in June to now the second round of price increases we found this month. Epson increased prices on several of its consumer printers. Um, and then at the end of Q4, we saw a lot of other manufacturers having that same strategy. Um, Brother, Lexmark, Xerox, you name it. Basically, I could just say almost every single major player in the space within transactional channels has increased their prices. So when you're seeing that on the dealer end, again, you're not alone. This is happening out in consumer segments as well. Yeah, and and we're seeing inflationary stuff happen all over the place, right? And it's got to be right. kind of a double whammy because, like you said, supply and demand really drives that pricing. Number mm -hmm. one, you know that they. <laughs> I'm not saying that people would, but they're probably getting a little more for what they can, uh, simply because they can, right? It's like, well, they're sold before we get them out the door, so this is the price. Uh, but then also the inflationary factors, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but. Every time I, I seem to shop for anything anymore, inflation's a real, like it's a reality, right? If, you know, yeah. no matter what I'm buying. So what a double, uh, what a double whammy. I, I like what you say about the reliability there too, that they're looking to basically have that satisfied. And mm -hmm. I can remember in the early days of uh, consumer printers, especially with inkjet, if you didn't use the equipment enough, then the printheads would dry out and then you'd basically have to get, you know, sort of new cartridges, right? And they figured out that in a hurry. And I know that the printer that my wife has, I won't name brands, um, but it's a small uh, multifunction device. She's had it for over five years and never once has she had an issue with it, right? So <laughs> it seems like that definitely is, uh, you know, is, is an improving factor, at least for the right. consumer grade stuff from a personal experience anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that a lot has gone into the technology over the years. I know that manufacturers have worked to make these um, a bit more robust. I know there's been a shift in messaging around consumer use cases and more towards small home, small office. And, you know, when we think about why the market and consumer is seeing contraction, it's because all of the use cases we had were displaced by things like smartphones. I'm not printing out recipes. I'm not printing out my MapQuest directions, no. right? Like all of that is right on our smartphone. And so that's why the market is seeing contraction. And, but with that, right, has become more competition. And if there's anything we know about competition, is that it breeds innovation. And so sure. it, it's just been really cool to see how much manufacturers have looked to, to try out new technologies like uh, continuous ink supply systems. Um, that's been big. And you know, just touching on that for a moment, when all of those cartridge-based printers started going out of stock, 
consumers are looking towards other technology beyond just consumer inkjet, traditional cartridge-based ones, right? Because that's what we've known for years and years and years. It's that inkjets use these cartridge-based, but now with continuous ink supply systems of CISS technology, um, what we found is that when the number of ink cartridge-based devices took a huge dip and there was hardly any inventory in stock, at that point, we saw shifts towards out-of-stock status to CISS devices. And so what that tells us is that, sorry, customers, there aren't any cartridge-based ones available. And they said, okay, well, I guess I'll just get this and I'll try out this new technology. And so I think for some manufacturers who are participating in that space, that's been a win um, because it's been a um, pretty long road to try to drive adoption towards that type of technology. And now it's just been driven a little bit out of necessity. Um, and I think that these devices are great and they're new and they're different and they're really a way for customers to realize long-term cost savings, uh, but it's different, right? And with any new and different technology, there's that curve to adoption where you have the early ones, you know, the latent ones. And so I think that not throw buzz here words here, but it, it kind of accelerated, right? <laughs> that yeah. little bit of adoption there. Well, and I, and I know that uh, one year I had a, uh, it was called a top 100 summit. It was at a different organization. It was years ago. And I actually had a, a company that was working with those kind of refillable tanks um, sponsoring at the event. And it was almost all at war. But the reason the dealers were upset was not necessarily the technology itself, um, but because A, it was required less service and B, that it would be easier to counterfeit the supplies, right? That yeah. was kind of the, the big you know, thing, whereas a cartridge with a chip is much harder to circumnavigate. Believe me, people figure out ways, but it's, it's still, it's harder, right? And I think that was always the impetus in the office. But the truth is, I can't see in a consumer level anybody caring about those arguments or reasons, right? Because I think typically, like I said, we, even with my wife's scenario as a retailer, her printer is pretty much serviceless, right? That, you know, when it requires service, it's really going to be a replacement. I mean, that's right, exactly. That's going to be the service, right? Mm -hmm. I hear you there. And I know that that's, that's a challenge to overcome within, you know, the dealer space. It just really flips the messaging and the value proposition on its head a little bit, you know, and the, the parts that have driven revenue for the dealer channel have gone away with that technology. And so I understand that there's, you know, some messaging to work out there. But to your point, yeah, in consumer channels, the biggest hurdle is just getting past that initial hardware acquisition price. Because if you look at it from a spec to spec perspective, these devices have lower speeds, lower feeds. And so apples to apples comparison, you might price this 399 inkjet actually around $99 based on the feature set that it has. But because of all of the inks and the ink yields that come with it, you know, in the thousands, which is just tremendous for an inkjet printer, um, that's how you're able to, to justify that higher hardware cost acquisition and save money over the long term. And to your point, yeah, there are no chips in the supplies. They're all just bottles. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a different paradigm, right? But I think you hit on a really important thing, which is that we are seeing a progression away from uh, some of the things that they're used to making money on, even in our channel, right? Mm -hmm. And that quote that I mentioned earlier about even if we're not managing the, the printers, uh, what are we doing to manage the print that there is some realignment of what that means uh, for an office equipment dealer to actually help a customer and what they charge for, right? And right. that's certainly not going to be the focus of today, uh, you know, sort of what they can charge for beyond that. But I think it's a current reality that we can't just stick our heads in the sand and ignore it. Right? It's changing. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I look back to March 2020, I think we all kind of chuckle looking back on it when we were like, two weeks, here we go. Let's, you know, stay inside and this will all go away. And, you know, here we are just about two years later. Um, One of the other things that I'm really interested in understanding, because obviously we can see certain trends by how people are advertising, like where they're putting their advertising dollars and how that's changing as well. So are you seeing any changes on advertising spend from these organizations for printers? Only just how much they've drastically declined. And, you know, part of that isn't just from the manufacturer side. It's also from the retail partners. Um, So when we look at those spaces, you know, for manufacturers, they're already pulling back on any type of advertising. In the past, it was a lot of instant savings incentives. Now what we've seen more so are things around what we call ad only. So basically an advertisement that's looking to drive iShare around some type of new initiative, right? So for some, it might be a subscription service. For others, it might be CIS technology, but really it's coming down to what's in, what's strategically important to that manufacturer and how can they drive awareness around that from the consumer perspective. And so, yeah, the real shift we've seen is just fewer ads in general and almost none as far as discounting goes. So all towards just, again, awareness. Yeah. Um, and you know, speaking to the channel perspective of it, retailers for years have already been trying to evaluate their omnichannel strategies. They know that they've been struggling with in-store foot traffic, in-store sales and the like. And so they've already been trying to work towards getting more online or getting to more fulfillment options or figuring out where they're advertising. And so that shift was already happening. Again, buzzword, that's just something that the pandemic accelerated, right? Because now they were forced to really lean into the omnichannel strategies and the retailers who did it and did it early and were already looking at it were in a much better position, right? Because you mentioned Amazon. And when we look at Amazon, what do we want? We want a good price and we want it here in two days. That's what we've become accustomed to. But with at the start of the pandemic, that wasn't realistic as they prioritized products that were deemed essential. Printers didn't make the essentials list. Maybe they were all essential for us trying to work and learn from home. But it didn't make the cut in Amazon's eyes. And so when Amazon said, we're just going to remove these listings or make it so that you're not going to get it for months, that's when customers were like, oh my goodness, I need to seek out other retailers or other merchants who are going to offer this. Now, the problem is we can't go to stores, right? Everything shut down. And so where did they turn? Online. So the retailers who had that online presence and who had already leaned into different fulfillment options like buy online, pick up in store, were well positioned to tackle this head on. Yeah, it's a really neat distinction, right? And that this idea, uh, you know, my wife had to flex with a retail business as well, built an online store, which I helped her with because of my tech background, right? right? And it was literally for curbside pickup and local, you know, delivery, right? Mm-hmm. So when the pandemic really uh, started shutting down in-person retail shopping, where you couldn't do it, um, she was well positioned to still make sure that she could keep the doors open because of that revenue, right? But guess what's not going away, even in, in the regular economy, um, her online presence, right? That it's now a permanent part of how she operates, even as a small uh, boutique retailer, right? And, and I think that's an important message for a, a lot of folks in the channel, too, is that there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. This is the way the world works now. You know, when you look at things from a SWAT perspective, what are your strengths, weaknesses, threats, and opportunities? It's critical that we view 
what has once been a threat, e-com, is an opportunity because this is where customers are going to be shopping, whether we all like it or not. And so to be able to dive into that and get curious and learn and meet your customers where they are is just going to be so key in the months and years to come. Yeah. And in, in good warfare, you know, um, the expression is know the enemy. So even if you're not intending uh, to go into e-commerce yourself to really understand its dynamics, uh, what what draws people to it, what some of the downfalls could be, et cetera, right? Uh, not just to, you know, to brush it aside. And, and also looking at the retail sector, that's something that we've typically ignored. And with all of this remote work, we cannot. Um, so I certainly encourage everyone, you know, that has been watching or listening today, I'll make sure that I have some links uh, within the uh, the blog and also at the end of the video for them to be able to uh, get in touch with you uh, to learn more about some of the stuff that you've shared with us. So I can't thank you enough, uh, Gap Intelligence and Valerie, for being able to present this information for our listeners and our viewers today. And for everyone else that's been watching or listening, thanks for tuning in. And remember, until next time, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.